You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast, presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Saturday's UFC 248 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. Looking back, Kyle Marley won 0.05 units for UFC on ESPN Plus 27 after going 3-2 on his premium bets. Kyle has his bets and fantasy MMA picks available now on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Back to the present, UFC 248 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN+, ESPN, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on ESPN+, is a Bantamweight contest between Guido Canetti, who is 8-4, and Dana Batgarel, who is 7-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? As always, a couple quick shout-outs before we get rolling here. Thank you to our sponsor, BetDSI.eu. Make sure you guys go check those guys out. Also, UFC on the line for UFC 248 will be available, so make sure you head over to UFC Fight Pass and check out our betting preview show. Um, it's, it's a pretty fun show this weekend. Again, a lot of good information, so make sure you check out UFC on the line on UFC Fight Pass for UFC 248. And also, as Brian just mentioned, make sure you head over to MMAOddsBreaker.com, click on our Premium Picks tab, and check out Big Marley 3's Premium Picks. Right now, he's got three bets available. He's going to have DraftKings as well. So he's the man. If you want to profit this weekend, make sure you check him out and buy his picks. So getting right into this card, a fun fight to start things off, really, with Bodegrel and Kennedy. Bodegrel open minus 140, Kennedy plus 110. And what you're seeing right now is Bodegrel minus 141, the comeback at Kennedy plus 118. So line merges have tightened up. Bodegrel still about, you know, 140 favorite or so. So seems like a pretty fair opening line and justifiable. I think it is going to be a competitive fight and realistically it could go either way. And I'm saying that might not be a real popular opinion. I think a lot of people are going to believe Bodegrel gets it done here. Kennedy is not really popular amongst the MMA betters out there in most cases. But I'll tell you what, man, he's a tough guy to bet against at times because he is a pretty well-rounded uh, fighter that can bring a lot of problems to the table here. His, his stand-up's not bad. Obviously, he's an experienced vet right now as well. Um, he can wrestle you. I mean, the downfall of his game, typically speaking, is getting caught on the feet a little bit. Defensively, he's a little weak, and you can catch his chin and hurt him at times as well. And then, of course, on the ground, you could exploit him there once you got him hurt, especially. Uh, but Ground is really not that type of fighter. He's not going to look to take this to the ground, but he is going to look to exploit him on the, on the feet. Ground does have a lot of power. Um, he's got really good accuracy to go along with that knockout power, and he is the better striker overall, although defensively, he's not really the best either. So these guys are going to be definitely hitting each other, landing on each other, and having success back and forth. I just think that is probably going to land the flush cleaner punch at one point and, and get the W here. Uh, I just trust his, I guess, his defensively and his chin a little bit more than Kennedy, but I think Kennedy is definitely going to be game, and that's what makes this a close fight and a tough one to bet. So at the betting window, I'm personally going to stay away from it because um, Kennedy, again, always shows up, and if he doesn't get clipped, it's going to get interesting, but I have to lean with Botha Girl. I think the striking probably does get it done in this fight. 
Yeah, I think uh, Botgarel striking also is a, a big factor. I mean, first off, Kennedy's 40 years old. Um, so, I mean, it's incredible. I, I don't think I remember a 40-year-old at 135 pounds, maybe once or twice, uh, that have been in the UFC. Um, and he has had some experience in the UFC, but um, I think in the stand-up portion here, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. I mean, Baccarel is a very powerful striker, big-time knockout artist, and Kennedy is a bit chinny. These reflexes are going to be slower. Um, unless Kennedy can really mix it up, uh, I think Baccarel is probably just going to, uh, you know, just tear him apart in the stand-up. Uh, Baccarel is uh, really dangerous, and um, I just feel like, while Kennedy does have these flashes where he can showcase some pretty good offense, um, he also has some issues with his striking defense. And now that he's even older uh, and has already shown that he's lacking in a little bit of defense and his uh, chin isn't particularly durable, uh, I feel like it's only a matter of time until Botgarel, uh lands that big shot and takes him out, especially with Botgarel's history of being a knockout artist at 135 pounds. So, Botgarel's also going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the featherweight division, we have Jamal Emmers, who is 17 and 4, taking on, uh, Giga Chikadze, who is 8 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Emmers open minus 165, Chikadze at plus 135. Right now, what we're seeing, is currently Emmer's minus 192, the comeback on Chikadze at plus 153. So line have tied up more action coming in Emmer's way. Really, and it's because of his overall complete game. I mean, Emmer's is the more complete fighter without a doubt in this spot here against Chikadze. Chikadze is a very good fighter, though, and he's improving, obviously training at a good camp. He's actually training with Darius and crew. Um, that's on, you know, the, towards the top of this car as well, which is an outstanding type of uh, team member to train with because he has what Chikadze does definitely need. And it's that grappling experience. And that's again where his kryptonite is at this point of his career is definitely getting taken down. So he needs to work on his wrestling defense and he needs to work on his uh, submission defense. And it is getting better fight by fight for sure. Chikadze, what you get with him is an elite level uh, kickboxer striker. He definitely has some accuracy and he definitely has some power and ability to finish the fight. So, Emmers is a very complete fighter. The more complete fighter, as I said, his path to victory here, though, is to get this fight to the ground and exploit Chikazi, getting some takedowns, try to take his back and submit him on the floor as well. I mean, that's, again, his path to victory. Emmers isn't bad on the feet. He could definitely do some good things, but it's his wrestling and his ground game that's going to kind of trump Chikazi here. He doesn't want to play the game on the feet with Chikazi. I think if it does stay standing for a long period of time, Chikazi uh, does get the win here, and he probably knocks Emmers out. If there's any kryptonite to Emmers' game, is he has been finished in the past. He has been rocked. Um, and again, defensively, you can't get through to him at times as well. So uh, I think this is going to be an interesting fight for sure. If Emmers is able to utilize his game plan, he'll probably get it done and look good doing so. But if he struggles getting Chikazi down, uh, Chikazi's going to probably light him up. So my pick is Emmers, but all the action coming his way is kind of backing me off a little bit. I wouldn't, as far as a betting window goes, I think Chikazi's getting good enough um, that he will give Emmers some fits. But, I mean, my head tells me Emmers will eventually get this down and probably win because of his ground game. So my pick is Emmers, but again, as the price goes up, I would be cautious out there betting this fight. What's funny is this fight was originally supposed to be Movsar Evloev against Douglas Silva and Draj, uh, and then Andraj dropped out with an injury, then 
uh, was replaced by Emmers, and then Evloev uh, dropped out with a motorcycle accident, of all things, and was replaced by uh, Chikadze. Um, yeah, this one, this one's interesting because Emmers looks like he could be pretty nasty. Like he's got some, he's well-rounded, he's decent on the feet, he's particularly effective with the takedowns and top position and submissions. And, uh, that being said, I was a little concerned when he was on Contender Series, he got knocked out by, uh, Juicy J, Julian Arosa of all people, uh, with the head kick, but... Perhaps that was a bit of a fluke because, I mean, it seems like he's had a, a lot of success in the past. You know, he's beat Corey Sandhagen. Uh, he's been on a nice little run here. He recently won a main event at LFA. Um, and then Chikadze, I mean, he's a very dangerous striker. So, uh, first off, if this fight stays standing with Chikadze's glory kickboxing experience, I think Chikadze knocks him out for sure. Um, and the fight starts standing, so he's going to have a chance to knock him out before if Emmers, you know, hesitates in getting this fight to the floor. But that being said, uh, Chikadze gets taken down a lot. Um, he won against Brandon Davis, but he got taken down multiple times. And that's not good because Davis does not have very good offensive wrestling. And that's kind of Emmers' game. So if Davis could take Chikadze down, I think Emmers should be able to easily... And as long as he can take him down, he should be able to keep him down. So uh, I think Emmers wins by submission, possibly in the first round. But if he has any trouble getting this fight to the floor, Chikadze could really punish him, especially since we have already seen Emmers get knocked out in the past on the feet. So if he struggles, Chikadze could not only win on the feet with a decision, but could knock him out. But I think Emmers does submit him. So Emmers is going to be my pick. Now, dropping back down, we have a strawweight contest between Emily Whitmire, who is four and three, and Pollyanna Viana, who is ten and four. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Viana opened minus 125, Whitmire minus 105. And right now, what we're seeing is Viana minus 118, minus 102. So, line margins have tightened up a little bit. And this line has been kind of going back and forth a little bit as well. Not surprised. I mean, this is another tough one. I mean, both these ladies are definitely talented. They're, they can show some really good techniques and flashes of, of really good fighting at times. But then on the other hand, I mean, we've seen some really bad performances by them as well or letdowns, um, especially for Viana. I think, you know, obviously she's on a three fight losing skid here. She needs to get back on track. And if she's going to do it, this is kind of a favorable matchup for her with Whitmire because Viana obviously has the BJJ background. Whitmire isn't exactly a real huge threat on the feet. I mean, her striking is going to be okay. She might have some success against Viana back and forth here. I think both these guys can be competitive on the feet, but it's Whitmire's wrestling and her grappling ability that usually gets it done for her. And Viana again is, is the type of fighter that can excel on the ground at times as well. I think she's a little bit overrated though. Underground, but again, she might be able to catch Wetmire here, um, because Wetmire is going to want to come down, get this fight to the ground and, and try to get top position here and grind around and maybe even look for submission. So tough, definitely, because I can see both ladies kind of having success during the fight. For me, I'm going to lean a little bit uh, more towards Wetmire because I think that if she can get this fight to the floor with the wrestling and avoid the submission, she probably edges it out and gets the W on the scorecards here. But again, not a confident one. It's I've been going kind of back and forth on this myself. Obviously, I'm staying away from it at a betting window. Now, as far as 
the value goes if this line goes either one way or the other. You're getting a decent amount of plus money. So if, if Whitmire turns into a plus 115 underdog, then you can consider her maybe taking a small stag or vice versa. If Viana uh, flips and she becomes a small underdog as well, then there might be some value there. So it's it's kind of the line playing game here. But for me, I'm probably going to stay away from it in general as well because, again, I just don't trust either lady here to get it done. I mean, they both have paths to victory. But I think Whitmire is probably going to be the one if she can avoid the submissions that they edges out, that squeaks out the decision. We know ladies fights in the past have been close when they hit the scorecards. The judging has been atrocious. So if it does hit the cards, we could see another squeaker. But I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Whitmire here. And I can understand the Whitmire play. She is going to be, uh, I would say, the more aggressive fighter. But I feel like Viana's the more technical fighter. Um, Whitmire, I've had a lot of difficulty, uh, getting these fights correct in the past with either of these two ladies. I, I've consistently picked against Whitmire when she ends up winning, and then I pick her when she ends up losing. Uh, and the same thing has been happening with Viana. So, um, so I don't know if you can 100% trust my breakdown here just because their performances have been so inconsistent and tough to, to predict other than, uh, Viana's UFC debut, which was a gimme against, uh, Maya Stevenson. But, uh, with, with this one, uh, Viana, I feel like she's back at the weight class that she belongs. She, she had a, I don't know what she was doing because she's not exactly, uh, a, a, a big, um, straw weight, but she moved up to flyweight and lost to Macedo in her last bout, uh, which, extended her losing streak to three. Um, it's, it's just been frustrating because, uh, she just has not performed at the level that I feel she's capable of performing. Um, uh, granted she has fought some decent people, but not, you know, amazing fighters, you know, Aldrich, uh, Cyphers, Macedo, none of them are world beaters. Um, and neither's Whitmire. So, uh, I feel like Viana can get the win here. I feel like that she's going to be the more technically sound striker. I feel like she's the more technical grappler, but I'm also concerned that Whitmire is going to be more aggressive. And in women's fights, you often see that the more aggressive fighter can beat the more technical fighter. Uh, they can just kind of overcome a, a technique disadvantage a little bit more often than maybe in men's fights. Um, but that being said, I still think that Viana can uh win. I also think if there's a stoppage, it's going to be from Viana because she is the better grappler. But, you know, even though she's a really good grappler, she ended up getting submitted in her last fight, which really surprised me. So uh I'm going to pick Viana, but there is very little confidence because I've just been all over the place with both of these women. Now, moving on to the ESPN preliminary card in the middleweight division, we have Darren Wynn, who is six and one, taking on Gerald Mearshart, who is thirty and twelve. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Win open minus one fifty, the comeback on Mearshart at plus one thirty, and right now what we're seeing is currently win minus one forty seven, the comeback on Mearshart at plus one twenty three. So line margins have tightened up. And there is two-way action coming in this fight, really, because Wynn is getting some support, obviously, and then Mearshart getting that dog action back. So there's going to continue to be two-way action. I mean, Wynn is obviously one of these guys that came into the UFC 
with a lot of hype training at AKA with the wrestling background, a lot of good things to like about Win, but he's been underperforming and underachieving really overall. A lot of people I think are let down by his overall game and, and his style, I guess, overall, you know, he, he's not as impressive as everybody thought, but I mean, to his credit, he's been in there with some decent competition overall or tricky fights, at least including the Tom Lawler fight. Um, obviously that he had before the UFC fight. I mean, he's been in there with some experienced competition and decent competition. So he's not going to perform relatively well. A lot of people actually thought he might've lost that Lawler fight um, before he got in his UFC debut. But that said his debut win against Spicely, he did what he had to do again, not a really a tremendous performance, but Spicely so dangerous um, in, in his aspect of things on the ground as well. So he fought a pretty smart fight. Now following that up with his loss against Stewart, Stewart's very underrated. Um, again, disappointing performance though overall from Win. So this fight, he needs to win and get back, I think, in the eye of the public if he's going to have any shot of, of kind of making a run here at all in this weight class. So he's obviously very undersized, um, with his height. I mean, he's a powerful guy. He's got that wrestler's build again. So he's more than capable to make up for it in other ways, but Mearshart's going to physically be the guy towering over Win in this spot. He's going to be longer. He's going to be the better, I guess, more experienced overall mixed martial artist. Although I do think Win is a little bit more, um, clean on the feet and i think he, his boxing can be successful against mirchart here although mirchart striking has looked improved and again training with duke rufus and crew of course you're going to improve your striking game but for mirchart where it's at obviously is the ground game um and if win wants to take this to the ground and scramble around with mirchart or, or try to get top position mirchart so sneaky good that win could find himself in some serious trouble here on the ground so this is not an easy bet here either because i do think win probably does enough to edge his fight out. I think he could beat uh, Mearshart up on the feet a little bit, um, use that speed, use that power, and, and mark Mearshart up a little bit. But again, Mearshart has passed the victory in this fight. I think he can, if this fight hits the floor, um, give Win a lot of fits with the submission game. And I mean, if he grabs your neck, you're in some serious trouble. And then again, with that reach, even on the feet, Win isn't exactly, you know, the the best striker at 185 pounds. So even Mearshart can probably be competitive at times with Win on the feet as well. So this is going to be a tough fight. Um, for me, at the betting window, I wouldn't lay the chalk here, even though I, I am going to pick win to win. I do believe that he should get this W. Like I said, I think his striking and his game plan overall should prevail here, but it's not a confident pick. So uh, for me, another interesting fight, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. But if anybody needs a win, it's pardon the pun, but it's definitely Daron win. So he needs to get it done here. The pick for me is win. And I'm going to come in the other way. Now, it's been also difficult for me to, to get some of uh, Mearshart's fights correct. Um, I thought uh, he's lost two split decisions in his last two losses. Uh, he's lost uh, to, to Eric Anders and Kevin Holland, two guys that were supposed to be, I would think, way better than him on the feet. Um, and Mearshart has you know, shown historically that he was terrible on the feet, but he has made some improvements there. Uh, I thought that he was actually very competitive with Eric Anders on the feet in his last fight. Uh, you could argue that he won that fight. And he had no business being competitive on the feet against Anders, at least historically, because uh, that's pretty much what Anders does best by by a landslide. And Mearshart is by far a better grappler than he is a, a striker, but he's definitely made some improvements in that department. And while I don't expect him to be knocking anybody out, uh, I do think that he can be competitive with people that at least he has a big physical advantage against. And uh, he has a massive physical advantage uh, in this fight against Darren Wynn. Uh, I mean, even though Mearshart's not a great striker, he is going to be, I believe, 
uh, seven inches taller. He's going to have a seven and a half reach advantage and he's tough. So he can take a shot. So uh, even though Wynn is probably going to be able to avoid being put on his back because he is a, uh, uh, a very stout, low center of gravity tile type of fighter. Um, I think, uh, Mearshart, even if it stays standing the whole fight, he's shown that he can actually be mildly competitive when he's not facing elite strikers. I mean, Tiago Santos lit him up, but Darren Wynn is no Tiago Santos. Um, so I think Mearshart actually has a very reasonable opportunity here to, to not just win, but win on the feet of all things. So even though he's not a particularly great stand-up fighter, I think with the the physical advantages that he's going to be having, um, I think that he can take advantage of it. So I'm going to side with Mearshart. I, I think the, 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 the small gains that he's shown in his stand-up are going to be enough to potentially uh, outmaneuver uh, win uh, especially with the, the big physical advantages he has in terms of height and reach. So Mearshart's going to be my pick. Now, sticking with the middleweight division, we have Rodolfo Vieira, who is 6-0, and taking on Saparbeg Safarov, who is 9-2. and Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Vieira opened minus 200, the comeback on Safarov, plus 160. And right now we're looking over at DSI and we're seeing minus 714, the comeback on Safarov, plus 499. So line margins have tightened up and a ton of action coming in on Vieira here, of course. Not a surprise. I mean, stylistically, this is a nightmare match for Safarov. Vieira has all the hype. It's stylistically, I mean, I won't spend a lot of time on this fight. A lot of time on this fight because I, th- I mean, it's pretty clear cut. Vieira has to get this fight to the floor. Safarov needs to keep off his back and try to pick Vieira off on the feet and have success doing so that way and probably try to finish him that way. So Safarov needs to be the striker here, avoid the ground at all costs, even though he does have a little bit of a ground game, but in this spot, it's not where he wants to be. And of course, like I said, Vieira, He's getting better in his striking game, but the ground is where it's at. He's going to look to take this fight to the floor. And once he gets this fight to the floor, it's a wrap. That's why you're seeing everybody take advantage of that minus 200 line. And that's why you're seeing it close to 800 now. And you can't even really touch this fight. So you have to stay away from it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, like I said, on it. I mean, it's grappler versus striker, And you have a very dominant grappler that should get the W here. So my pick is Vieira to win. As Nick said, this fight boils down to striker versus grappler. And... Safarov has already shown that he's very vulnerable to somebody that can take him down and submit him. Uh, we've already seen uh, Tyson Pedro get a quick takedown against him and then submit him with a Kimura um, in, uh, you know, granted it was two years ago, but I think uh, the, the, ga- the, the game plan to defeat Safarov is right there. Um, if, Vienna, for some reason, can get the takedown, then he could definitely be in trouble, uh, or Vieira. Um, Vieira is an extremely talented grappler, but um, he also uh, is a bit one-dimensional. So, I mean, he's more of a complete Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt artist that transitioned to MMA, not much of a striker. Um, I mean, if he's going to be doing much striking, it's pretty much going to be with takedowns and ground and pound from top position, not trading blows on the feet. If he does that for extended periods of time, he's going to lose. 
but I don't think he's that dumb. So he's going to look for takedowns, try to put Safarov on his back, and the second he does, it's probably going to be a wrap. So uh, Vieira's going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Mark Madsen, who is 9-0, and taking on Austin Hubbard, who is 11-3. and Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Madsen minus 750, Hubbard plus 450. That was the opening line. And totally the opposite way we were just talking about with Vera getting steamed up to minus 800. So he opened almost minus 800, and he got steamed down. Right now, the betting line is Matson 213 to come back on Hubbard at plus 174. So again, drastic drop in price, and I understand it. I mean, minus 750 for Matson facing his toughest opponent to date in Hubbard. Ridiculous. I mean, you guys have to scoop up plus 450 at that price. No doubt about it. Um, so those of you guys that got in at the early plus money, hats off to you because you guys got tremendous value. That said... This is going to be a difficult fight for Hubbard as well. I mean, Matson is legit. The Olympian, as they call him, I mean, he's got that wrestling background. Um, he doesn't have quite the experience or the resume overall as far as uh, level competition that Hubbard's faced, but he's getting there, and he's definitely proven that he can go out there and do some great things with his wrestling ability and with that overall um, experience at, at, that he is getting. I mean, his stand-up is getting better. He's got power. He's got that wrestler's power on the feet, of course. He pushes forward, but again, make no mistake, it's Matson's wrestling and ground and pound where it's at. I mean, the guy's as a beast on the floor. Now, Hubbard is the more well-rounded fighter. I think overall, he's a little bit better. I mean, he's the more complete mixed martial artist for sure. He's got a wrestling background in his own right. He's got some decent striking. I think here, if he's able to keep this fight on the feet, he could do some damage along the way to Madsen, and that's probably his path to victory. Kind of use his wrestling in reverse, keep this fight upright, and try to land the heavier shots along the way and bust Madsen up. Um, possibly even try to look for a sub along the way if he gets his back or something like that, you know, reverse position, um, and try to scramble and, and make it a bad spot for Madsen. So uh, Hubbard is going to be very game, and he's going to be a very difficult opponent for Madsen. I think this is definitely his toughest test, as I said, but I do believe he's going to get it done, though. I think Matson is going to be too much for him. I think Hubbard has had some problems against against ground fighters in the past that we've seen, um, and, and this is going to be no exception here. I think Matson does eventually get this fight to the ground and start grinding out Hubbard. Hubbard's tough, though. It's going to be hard to finish Hubbard, but I think Matson does enough to probably um, edge out a decision win here um, and maybe even get a late stoppage as it goes. But I, I think Hubbard is tough enough to probably withstand that. So I think Matson is going to impress again and get the, the hardest victory, but a deserving victory here in this spot. And it's going to be wrestling that's key here. So my pick is Matson, And again, good value on the opening price. But at, as it stands right now, at around 2 to 1 or so, like I said, minus 220-ish, 213, um, there could be some value on Matson. So you might want to look to include Matson in a parlay or two along the way. It might not be a bad idea because, like I said, I think he really should get this W, but it is going to be a tough fight. And I'm right with you. I mean, Matson is a, a very decorated Greco-Roman wrestler, uh, Olympic medalist. So you know that he's going to be coming into this fight with the ability to completely dominate uh, if it if he can get his hands on Hubbard and drag him to the canvas. As long as he doesn't leave anything exposed uh, for like an easy submission attempt, um, I expect that once he closes the distance, it's going to be a really tough night for Hubbard. Um, as you mentioned, though, Hubbard is very tough. Um, the guy uh, is a standout LFA fighter. Um, had some pretty impressive performances there. Um, but uh, his problem was 
He took on a really good grappler in his UFC debut, got out grappled. So, um, and then he had to use his own wrestling in his last fight to get the, the win. That that's not going to help him here. I really don't think, uh, that he has the, the technical wrestling chops to, to hang with Madsen. So for Hubbard to win, he needs to either latch on to some sort of submission with Madsen making a mistake or somehow keep this fight upright and try to outstrike Madsen. But, um, Madsen looked amazing in his last fight, but he was also facing a completely overmatched opponent. So he could be overrated. Um, that's happened plenty of times in the past where somebody had an amazing UFC debut and then they're not even close to as good as we thought they were. So, uh, that being said, I still think Madsen gets the job done. Um, maybe he'll be exposed as he steps up in competition against uh, some tougher opponents, but I don't think Hubbard's the guy to do it. Uh, I think Madsen keeps rolling. I think he gets top position. I think he just starts beating down on Hubbard and either wins a decision or potentially a ground-and-pound TKO. So Madsen is my pick. Now moving on to the main event of the preliminary card in the Bantamweight division, we have Sean O'Malley, who is 10-0, taking on Jose Quinones, who is 8-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? O'Malley opened minus 350, Quinones plus 275. Right now, what we're seeing is currently Quinones um, is still the underdog, plus 285, so O'Malley minus 357. So it did drop a little bit. O'Malley was down to like 300 for a while. Now it's climbed back up to around, around the opening spot. So it seems like it's a decent opening public line. I'll tell you what, man. Quinones is definitely going to be a handful for O'Malley. He's going to be one of the toughest fights he's had. He's gotten a lot better, I mean, since the Ultimate Fighter show that he was on. He brings a lot to the table because you can't sleep on his striking. He's a powerful guy. He's got a good ground game to go along with it. Always improving. But I think he's just outclassed here by O'Malley. Again, you know, going through footage and going through – I know O'Malley's had some time off now, so that's something to consider right away. I should get that out of the way. Um, But overall, I mean, I think O'Malley's the better striker here. I think he's the better grappler here. Wrestling is going to be close. O'Malley can get put on his back at times. But I think his takedown defense and his scrambling ability and his offensive wrestling could be problems for Quinones as well. So overall – I do think that O'Malley is just clearly better. I think O'Malley probably finds a finish along the way, either subs Quinones on the floor um, after, like I said, it, it could be an ensuing scramble, or I think Quinones can put it on or can um, end up getting clipped enough along the way by O'Malley that O'Malley outpoints him and maybe even finishes him uh, on the feet before it hits the scorecards as well. So again, I just think that this is a clearly a really good matchup for O'Malley, even though it will be competitive at times. I just don't see Quinones winning on the scorecards. I think he probably gets finished here as well. So another type of spot where anything under four to one, there might be a little bit of value on O'Malley. I know again, I mean, straight plays at, when you're laying three, four to one at times is a little bit, uh, you got to be a little bit tentative at that. But again, if there's going to be one, I think a small bet straight on O'Malley could be justified here again, under four to one, or you want to throw him in a parlay. It wouldn't be a bad idea either. So there is a little bit of value. If you're getting him under four to one, I do believe, again, I, I respect Quinones. I think he's a solid fighter, but O'Malley should roll here. So my pick is O'Malley. And again, I think he probably gets it done inside the distance as well. And I'm right with you. Um, O'Malley is the, the better fighter here. I think he's better on the ground. I think he's better on the feet. He's got more power. He's a little bit more dynamic. Um, Quinones is, well-rounded. Uh, he also has a little bit of pop. Um, and I mean, he could surprise you. 
the main issue I have is just that we haven't seen O'Malley in a while. He had uh, issues with uh, drug tests. He's been out for pretty much two years uh, because of uh, suspensions. So if he's rusty, I think that's really the, the biggest issue. Uh, because if he's at the top of his game like he was before uh, getting uh, injured and then having uh, his issues with the, the drug testing, then I don't think Quinones is even close to at his level. Um, you know, O'Malley is definitely a, a very good fighter, and I think it's going to be a lot tougher opponent that's going to be the one that finally hands him that first loss. But if O'Malley uh, comes out real rusty and slow and tentative and just hasn't isn't quite comfortable in there, then Quinones, I think, could take advantage. But uh, I think O'Malley's got the chin to handle uh, Quinones's power. I think Quint O'Malley's faster. I think O'Malley's the more powerful striker. I think O'Malley's the better grappler. Maybe Quinones can get takedowns, but even if he does that, uh, O'Malley could uh, submit him, as Nick said. So I just think O'Malley is the better fighter just about in every position except potentially wrestling. So... Uh, perhaps Quinones could try a, a lay and pray game plan, but even that I think would be uh, difficult to uh, succeed here. So I'm going to side with O'Malley. I think that he does win by stoppage at some point, whether it's submission or TKO. And I think it's most likely going to be a TKO because uh, he's going to flash some uh, really good power on the feet. And I think that the UFC really wants to showcase him here uh, as the lead in for the pay-per-view. So O'Malley's going to be my pick. Now, moving on to the pay-per-view, the main card, we have a welterweight contest between Alex Oliveira, who is 28-1, taking on Max Griffin, who is 15-7. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Oliveira opened minus 215, the comeback on Griffin at plus 175. And right now what we're seeing over at DSI is currently Oliveira minus 141, the comeback on Griffin at plus 118. So line margins have tightened up a little bit, more action coming in Griffin's way. That is the way to bet this fight, especially at the opening price at plus 175. This is going to be a competitive fight. I think if Oliveira doesn't get out there and just clip Griffin early on or you know jump on his back or, or give him some kind of fits inside the distance here early in round one, then it's going to probably be a tough fight for Oliver. And I think Griffin is the one that's the more complete fighter. I think he's more technically sound. I think he's a better overall fighter in general. Now, again, Oliver is the more dangerous fighter, but Griffin's stand up. He could do some damage. He could come in there and if his chin lasts defensively, he could be good and, and strike with the best of them. I mean, he's proven that he's been in there with a lot of decent competition, a lot of uh, heavy strikers and he's fared relatively well, but he is a bit chinny again, I say. So he could be looking good. And then all of a sudden a punch gets through and he gets clipped. And Oliver is a very dangerous, unorthodox fighter so that could easily happen here in this spot but again technically speaking griffin's a better fighter i think griffin can actually probably beat Oliveira on the ground as it goes in round two and round three as well again he Oliveira is going to be the one kind of gassing a little bit more as the fight progresses he does have that he doesn't have that steady performance that you'd like to see out of him now griffin's been up and down in his own right as well but he's fought some solid competition and he's been underrated throughout his whole ufc career as well so a tough fight Again, if it's going to be a finish, probably as Oliveira, but if it hits the scorecards, I think Griffin does get it. And again, potentially he can get a finish as it goes as well. I wouldn't be shocked, but at the finish, 
here is more likely to be Oliveira. But again, at the price, I wouldn't lay chalk. Even at the price right now at about 140 or so, I still think it's a dog or pass situation. So my pick is Griffin. And if you're going to bet this fight, I wouldn't lay the chalk here. Yeah. Both of these fighters have been so inconsistent and neither has particularly been effective in recent fights. Um, it's, it's tough to side with either one. I mean, I thought Alex Oliveira was potentially a player at the welterweight division when he was on a nice little roll. He'd won, uh, I believe four in a row and then he just started to run out of steam. Uh, he, he was even at six out of seven. Uh, but now he seems like he's been getting exposed a little bit. You know, Gunnar Nelson toyed with them and got a choke. And then Mike Perry and Nicholas Dalby both uh, ended up beating him by decision. And I think I picked him in both fights. So I've been feeling pretty dumb siding with Alex Oliveira. He's also been having some issues with his personal life. I think that could be affecting his fighting career as well. Um, and uh, I just think uh, while Alex Oliveira is the more well-rounded fighter compared to Griffin. Um, he he has his flaws. Uh, Oliveira is a little bit potentially a little chinnier. Um, he also has worse conditioning. Oliveira slows down in fights. So if Oliveira can't get off to a good start here, I don't see how he can win because uh, the longer this goes, I think the worse shape he'll be in. Um, Griffin's not a great fighter, but he gets into close scrappy, tough fights against pretty good fighters. Um, granted, if this stays standing and, it, and it's just down to pure technique and neither fighter gets really tired, Oliveira can probably win. Um, you know, Griffin loses consistently. Uh, uh, he lost to Alex Morano in his last fight. You know, that's a fight that he probably should have been able to win, but... Um, he still, he, he definitely can be outstruck, even though that's kind of his game. Um, so I think this potentially could even be a, a loser leaves town fight, even though it's a, a pay-per-view main card opener. But, uh, I think I'm going to side with Max Griffin. Uh, just, it feels like something's off with Oliveira lately. Um, either he's in decline or there's something going on with him. Um, I think uh, if Oliveira can't get off to a big lead in this fight or potentially a finish, I, I think uh, Griffin just kind of wears him down. And I definitely see Griffin winning the third round if it goes to decision. So, And that always makes me nervous when you have a fighter that has a history of slowing down, taking on somebody that uh, doesn't really uh, fade. So I think uh, Griffin comes on strong late and potentially wins a decision or a TKO here. So Griffin's going to be my pick. Now, sticking with the welterweight division, we have Neil Magny, who is 21 and 7, taking on Jingling Lee, who is 17 and 5. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Jinglong opened minus 270, the comeback on Magni at plus 210. And right now what we're seeing over at DSI is minus 179 on Jinglong, comeback on Magni plus 148. So line margins have tightened, a little bit more action coming in from the opening line on Magni as a dog. I understand it again at plus 210, it is definitely tempting to take a stab at Magni. Now, again, the situation here is you have Jinglong that has been fighting amazing. I mean, the guy looks like he's at the top of his game right now. A tremendous win he's coming off of. I mean, the knockout 
of Zaleski. I was shocked, honestly. I didn't think it was going to go down like that. I thought if anything, it would be the other way around. But again, I mean, it's, it's, he's riding this hot streak right now. He's very confident. He definitely has that power in his hands that you have to respect. And Magny's a bit chinny. We've seen that through his whole career. So stylistically, this could be a very nightmare matchup for Magny. I mean, Jinglong, again, his takedown defense holds up here and fights a smart, patient fight. Um, he can clip Magny along the way. Magny is the better overall fighter, though. He is definitely the more complete fighter. He's got that reach. He's got that range. He knows how to use it fairly well. He's got good movement. Um, he's definitely a good point fighter. Now, he got a little bit of underrated power on the feet. You can't really sleep on him completely, but I, I don't think that's going to be as much of a threat. I think Magny's path to victory here is kind of draping Jinglong, get him to the floor, tripping him down, and just kind of draping over him, using that length and reach to um, make it a misery for Jinglong on the ground as well. And Magny definitely has a better submission game, and he's capable of winning this fight on the ground. So that's where Magny's path to victory is. If you can get Jinglong on the floor and obviously take advantage of that and utilize his extremely well-rounded game, then I think he could probably get it done. But along the way, it's going to be tough, and I don't really trust Magny at this point of his career. Jinglong is kind of on the rise. I do believe that it's his time right now to kind of win a fight like this. I mean, in this spot, this is a good test for him. And maybe in the past, I think it would be a letdown for him, but he's ready for this fight. I mean, he's, again, with everything, the track record that he's had and his slow progression here, I think if he continues that, he wins this fight. So, again, you could tell it's not a really overly confident pick for me because I think Magny is a better overall fighter. So it's it's tough because I can see Magny possibly winning this fight on the ground. But overall, as far as a pure pick, I'm going to go with Jing Long. I think he is kind of coming into his own. He's got the confidence right now. And stylistically, this could be a nightmare matchup for Magny. So the pick is Jing Long. And I completely agree. Uh, Magny definitely has his paths to victory because he has the longest reach in the welterweight division and he does have a decent jab. So I would say if he can keep Jing Long at the end of that jab or mix in a bunch of takedowns, then he can definitely win this fight. I mean, that was kind of his secret to success that that turned him into a, a fringe contender at welterweight where he was consistently outpointing people, just annoying them almost. And then at some point they would just really start to slow down. And, and Magny has a tremendous uh, conditioning and he would just take over late in fights. And uh, it was really fun to watch. That being said, he also has issues with his durability. I mean, when he gets hit hard, uh, you know, he just cannot take it. Uh, he also has issues checking leg kicks. Um, so, I mean, he can really get hurt with uh, big somebody that goes uh, attacks the legs and somebody that attacks the head. If, as long as they're accurate, he can be in big trouble. So, um I feel like with Jing Long and how powerful he is and the massive improvements he's made in his uh technical skills because he's not just a brawler anymore he can he can wing it uh particularly uh impressed with uh the performance against uh, Eliza Zaleski dos Santos I mean I thought Zaleski was a player at 170 and Jing Long was able to take him out so uh, that instantly uh, turned me into uh, a serious Jinglong fan. So uh, I think uh, Jinglong Lee connects at some point with Neil Magny and takes him out. But there definitely is a path to victory here for Magny. He just needs to be extremely careful because one mistake and his lights are going out. 
but uh, I am going to side with Xing Long because especially with the long layoff, I just don't think that uh, Magni's going to be able to fight that perfect fight uh, without leaving an opening for Xing Long to take advantage of, especially with the improvements Xing Long has made. So Xing Long Li is my pick. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Benil Darius, who is 17-4-1, taking on Drakkar Close, who is 11-1-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Dariush open minus 165, minus 155, excuse me. Dariush minus 155, close plus 125. And right now what we're seeing over at DSI is minus 169 for Dariush. The comeback on close at plus 140. So line merge have tightened up a little bit. And again, Dariush getting slightly more action, but there has been two-way action coming into this fight as well. It's been bouncing back and forth a little bit, but we we have started to see it rise. And I think it's probably right. I mean, skill for skill, there's no question. Dariush is one of the best lightweights in the world. I mean, the guy is definitely the, one of the most skilled offensive fighters that I've seen in the weight class. I mean, he could beat you on the feet. He's fought tremendous strikers and has done really well with them. I mean, he, he has a kicking game. He's got the punching game, everything. I mean, he's just, he could beat you with his hands or his feet, basically what I'm trying to say on the feet. And then he mixes that in with his outstanding wrestling, underrated wrestling, his ability to get the fight to the ground in most cases. And then once he's on the floor, he's phenomenal. I mean, the guy has an outstanding jujitsu game. So offensively, Again, Dariush is one of the best lightweights that you can possibly get. I mean, everything's there for him, but it's his conditioning. It's his, again, kind of steady performances that we've kind of scratched our heads about. I mean, I don't know. He does tend to slow down as the fight goes on at times. The inconsistent performance bothers me. If he doesn't get the fight done, I mean, you're, you're kind of asking for it when it hits the scorecards because you don't know what you're going to get. He does, like I said, slow down enough that his opponents kind of close the gap on him a little bit, but here in this fight, I think he can have success. And if there's any problem or any kryptonite to his game, it's that chin as well. I mean, it's more of the chin of Darius that bothers me even more so than his conditioning at times or that inconsistency that I was talking about. Because defensively, he can get clipped, he can get hurt. And Close doesn't really have that kind of crazy knockout power. He's not really a dynamic, explosive, crazy type of striker. So Darius should be okay in that regard. But Close still has enough knockout power that if he lands, he could definitely rock that chin of Darius and, and put him down. So I wouldn't be shocked if that happens here. And that is always a threat and something you have to consider when you're dealing with Darius. But again, as far as overall fighting skill, Darius is the better striker in this matchup. I think he probably does get top position on the ground at times as well and maybe can submit close. But I think close is going to be very game. Uh, if he can weather that early storm in round one, he's going to probably pick things up in round two, round three. And possibly steal this fight. So it's one of those fights. I'm going to lean with Darius because, I mean, he is kind of coming into his own again. He's on a little streak here. He's won three fights in a row. Maybe we're seeing that spark back in him and, and we see him do some really good things. Because I think, I mean, again, the guy's a legit title contender one time of his career. He was at the top of the food chain and he was right there in line with the best of them, you know, and, and he's kind of had some ups and downs. And now again, he's riding that three fight win streak. I think his confidence is there. Hopefully, in the gym, everything's kind of lining up for him as well, because I would like to see him make one last run at, towards a total shot. That'd be great. I don't know if he's going to get there, but it starts here, so he has to win this fight. My pick is Dariush. He is the better fighter here, uh, but at the betting window, again, as it climbs up, though, I, I wouldn't necessarily bet this fight. I would probably stay away from it, because as it hits the scorecards, you could be in some trouble here. So the pick for me, Dariush. Yeah, the thing that scares me with Dariush, Dariush is... He has a, a tendency to underperform against 
uh, fighters that are decent wrestlers. Um, I don't know why, but uh, you go back through his uh, career and when he faces guys that are primarily wrestlers that have a little bit of power or can do damage from top position or something, uh, he's, he's had his issues. You know, Alexander Hernandez was able to, to blast him in less than a minute. Um, then you had Michael Chiesa, you know, survive early and then actually submitting him in the second round when he started to slow down. And then you go all the way back. Ramsey Nijem TKO'd him from top position with ground and pound. So there is potentially a path to victory here, definitely for Drakkar close, because if Darius uh, slows down in this fight, close can take over. I definitely could see uh, just like earlier in the card, I can, I could definitely see close winning the third round, which again, scares me. Um, Darius also is chinny, even though close isn't the most powerful guy, as Nick mentioned, um, if Darius starts to slow down, you know, if Close throws something as hard as he possibly can, which he typically doesn't, um, and connects with it, he can still knock Darius out for sure. Um, so that being said, technically, Darius is definitely the better fighter. I mean, he has elite level grappling and he fought very smart recently. Um, he was able to get a, a submission against a very game Drew Dober, uh, March of last year, and then most recently taken on a brawler in Frank Camacho. He did not screw around on the feet whatsoever, even though Darius probably could have outpointed him on the feet because he was the technically superior striker. He just didn't waste time there because why? Why even risk it? Uh, on the ground, it wasn't even a contest, and that's exactly what happened. He took it to the ground and quickly submitted Camacho. So uh, if you're Darius, why screw around? Um, on the feet, yes, he probably is a little bit better. Close does have decent boxing skills, and I think it's competitive in just like the pure stand-up boxing. I think Darius is better with uh, his kicking game, so I think the well-roundedness of Darius and his power should give him a slight edge, but if he gets clipped, you know, it's anybody's game on the feet. Uh, on the ground, he is so nasty with his submissions, even though Close is a strong wrestler. I think if Darius can just get a hold of him, he can just start wrapping him up in something. So uh, that being said, I'm a little nervous with him getting into the ground just because Close does have the strong wrestling. Maybe he is going to, maybe Darius is going to struggle trying to get this to the floor. So there's going to be some caution here just because Darius slows down, Darius is chinny, and he's facing a wrestler who's possibly going to be difficult to take down. And if he's forced to stand for three straight rounds, he can win that, but that chin is going to be vulnerable for three straight rounds. And the 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 fact that he slows down always makes me nervous. So I'm going to side with Darius. It does seem like he's fighting smart, that he's he's back, but... Uh, I have a lot of difficulty trusting him at this point in his career. So uh, the pick is Darius, but again, be careful out there. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening, we have a women's strawweight title fight between champion Wiley Zhang, who is 20 and 1, taking on former champion Joanna Jacek, who is 16 and 3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? My opening line was Zhang minus 130, the comeback on Ioana, even money 
Right now, what we're seeing over at DSI is currently Zhang minus 169, the comeback on Yoana at plus 142. So line margins have tightened up quite a bit, and we're seeing some action coming in on Zhang. I'm surprised, obviously, with my opening line um, being at minus 130, even money. I think that's about right. I mean, anything above even money for JJ, I think you have to take a stab at it. I mean, I understand Zhang has looked phenomenal. I mean, in her four UFC fights, she's definitely looked apart. She's worthy of being in this spot here and, and winning the title. I mean, how she destroyed Andrade in her last fight was phenomenal. I mean, I, nobody expected it to be that quick. I mean, I bet Zhang in her last fight, so I was expecting her to win, but I didn't expect her to just go out there and destroy Andrade like she did. Again, a lot of people are, are commenting on Andrade's game plan, and that's pretty true as well. I mean, you can't, you gotta kind of take that in consideration. This is a different type of matchup, but a lot of people, I think, are seeing Zhang's power and looking at JJ in the past where Joanna has been clipped. Obviously that Rose loss sets, I think fresh, still sits fresh in people's minds as far as, uh, Joanna being a little bit chinny. She's been, you know, rocked in the past as, as well. So I think that's kind of her, you know, I think that's kind of her downfall right now. A lot of people believe that she's going to get clipped by that Zhang power and, and she's not going to be able to handle it. And that's why she's going to get beaten. I think a lot of the action, again, the recency bias that's coming in on Zhang is ridiculous to the point where, you know, th- th- that's where the line is. And I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, like I said, I think all the sharp action, including some public action, is going to come in back on JJ. And we're going to see this line drop as we get closer to fight time as well. Um, because if this fight does play out in the scorecards, this is going to be an extremely competitive fight. I know Zhang will be in there. She's quick. She's powerful. She has good footwork. She's got good uh, wrestling and ground technique as well. You cannot sleep on this girl anywhere. So she's definitely a complete fighter. And this is going to be a heck of a fight. But I think Yuana, I mean, JJ can be winning this fight as well. I mean, I think if she weathers that early storm in round one, she will probably adapt to start taking over round two, round three. She She's the one that in round four, round five is actually picking up the pace against her opponents at times. So you cannot be in the cage with JJ and, and have a moment of letdown because she's going to be on top of you. And she's going to be the one that's hitting those precision strikes, pushing the pace. Even I wouldn't be surprised if JJ gets a takedown in this fight and gets top position. She's got to be careful because, again, Zhang sh- showed us some good off her back as well, but – this is going to be a close fight, a toss-up type of fight. That's why I think the value at plus money is on JJ. You have to go that way. You cannot lay the chalk here. I mean, I don't care if Zhang ends up winning this fight. I mean, if she does, obviously, I mean, it's another feather in her camp, and she's going to be a, a very well-deserving champion, you know, very well-respected, deserving champion for sure. No doubt about it. Even if she loses this fight, I mean, there's hats off to her. She's in there at the top of the game right now fighting against one of the best ever in the weight class. So not a bad loss, even if she, you know, comes away with a uh, loss here in this spot. But overall, every way you look at it, I mean, again, if, if JJ does not get sparked early, she probably hangs in there and I think wins on the cards. So I'm going to go with JJ. I wouldn't even be surprised if we see Joanna take this into deep waters and have enough success that maybe she gets even uh, Zhang in trouble in the later rounds. I mean, we again, we haven't seen her tested that much. So this is going to prove a lot to me. So I'm going to pick JJ. I obviously bet it already. I mean, there's a video out there of me uh, hitting her like plus 130-ish, plus 140-ish, I believe. Um, so again, anything in plus money, though, is worth a stab. So it doesn't even have to be plus 130. It could be plus 110. I think there's value on JJ at that price as well. So the bet is JJ. I think, you know, like I said, I mean, the path to victory is clearly there for her. People are just underestimating her at this point. I'm, I'm kind of surprised, but I do think she can get this done. So the value's there, the bet's there, and my pick is going to be on Joanna to get it done as well. The value may be on Joanna, but I still believe in uh, Zhang. 
Uh, I was blown away by her performance against Andrade. Now, perhaps Andrade was a little overrated because while she's powerful and throws a lot of volume on the feet, she's really not that technical. And she has been exposed in the past by more technically sound strikers like Ioana when she originally challenged for the belt. And she was getting lit up by Rose when uh, she ended up beating Rose with a slam. Uh, but she was getting smoked on the feet there, too. So it's not a huge shock that Zhang was able to uh, knock her out and finish her quickly. So uh, that being said, uh, I'm really impressed with Zhang's technique. And uh, even though Joanna is a tall, long striker and has showcased elite ability to keep fighters at the end of her punches, I think uh, Joanna isn't going to have quite as much success like she did against Andrade in the past. Andrade is a little bit more of a bull rusher. Um, Zhang is a lot more technical. Like, she is a very effective striker, uh, good hands, good feet, and she does mix in uh, takedowns as well. So I'd be very surprised if Joanna got a takedown in this fight. I think if anybody gets a takedown, it's going to be Zhang. Uh, like, she does a really good job of throwing combinations, and then, boom, the second your hands are up defending, changing levels. So I think that she's going to be able to mix things up really well with Joanna. Um, I think on the feet, um, this is going to be competitive. Um, Rose has already shown that a very good technically sound striker can uh, counter really well against Joanna, uh, even just staying in the pocket. And especially if you uh, sit down on your strikes, um, you can do some damage against uh, Jacek because she does have a bit of a vulnerable chin. Um, and that's something that Zhang definitely can take advantage of because she has some power. Um, so I like Zhang. I think that she's young. She's on the rise. She's dangerous. While Joanna is extremely talented and the longer this fight goes, we could potentially see it turn in young Chechek's favor because, um, conditioning and durability, uh, conditioning and pace perhaps favor her a little bit more, but um, I really think that uh, Zhang might be somebody that could be champion for a while. Uh, she, she does have a strong, well-rounded game. Um, she's dangerous, and I feel like uh, her defense and everything is just right up there with Ioana's uh, in terms of offense, defense, everything, and she's more durable, and she's younger. So, uh, I think that uh, Zhang is the future, and while perhaps the value's not on her, I do think that she's uh, definitely somebody worth picking. So I'm going to side with Zhang. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening, we have Israel Adesanya, the UFC middleweight champion, putting his belt on the line against Yoel Romero. Adesanya is 18-0, Romero is 13-4. Now, Nick... What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? I open Adesanya minus 200, the comeback on Romero plus 160. And right now, what we're seeing over at DSI is Adesanya minus 270, the comeback on Romero plus 216. Market price out there, 280s plus 230s, so plus 240s. I'm shocked. I mean, like I said, this is another spot where obviously I'm surprised a little bit. I mean, I know the hype and the respect factor for Adesanya is through the roof, especially since that Whitaker win. I mean, honestly, 
we told you on the show at UFC 243 on the on the line show um, that he was going to probably pull that off. I mean, the precision, the accuracy, everything about Adesanya's game, the improvement. I mean, the guy is a special talent. There's no question about it. But that was a pick type of price. Um, so this is not a pick type of price. Now you're only you're nearly laying three to one over a guy in Ramiro that is one of the best middleweights and has been for a long time in the world and one of the most devastating strikers and i'm not talking about the technical striking skill i'm talking about explosive uh, just with any limb i mean hit you with an elbow hit you with that big left hook hit you with the right hook that knee of course we've seen him put people out this guy has serious power people call him a piece of steel even if you're going in on offense with this guy and you're landing on him i mean it physically is tough on your body just you know his his body he is like a piece of steel i mean that's what you hear from fighters time and time again so what i'm trying to say here is Adesanya, technically speaking, for sure, he's going to have some reach. He's going to have some physical attributes. He's a younger fighter. There's all sorts of things to like about Adesanya in this spot. I do think he's going to have success on the feet here against Romero, especially utilizing his kicking game. I think that could be problematic for Romero here, but at some point in this fight, I think Romero is going to kind of lull Adesanya to sleep, and he's going to explode. And when he lands, Adesanya has been rocked in the past. We've seen it. He's had fits against Gaslam. I mean, here's the thing. People are forgetting that Adesanya has looked normal at times. I mean, he hasn't kind of been exactly what everybody expects him to be. Now, he's gotten better, and he's shown improvements, I mean, at a rapid pace. So I do respect that. But he's vulnerable. I mean, he's human. The guy, like I said, Gaslam's a shorter fighter. You could compare, you know, I mean, you can't really compare Romero to Gaslam. Romero's more of a freak than Gaslam is, but I'm just talking about like, as far as reach advantages for Adesanya here, I mean, comparable, you would think, oh, he's going to have an easy time with this short guy. No, I mean, he, he had a difficult time with Gaslam. He's going to have a difficult time here, even though they're different type of fighters. Romero closes that gap so fast. He's got that wrestling in his back pocket as well. I know Adesanya's takedown defense has gotten a lot better. His ground game, we've even seen really solid stuff from him on the ground, even if he does get put on his back with the ability to throw up some submissions. So Adesanya is definitely an awesome fighter and including the ground, he's getting better to the point where it's catching up, not to his striking. It'll never catch up to his striking, but it is getting better. You have to be cautious about Asanya, even off his back. That said, Ramiro probably will get him down at some point. He's not going to go for a lot of takedowns. That's just not his style. He does like to kind of, like I said, lull, lull his opponents to sleep and just explode on him. But he does have that. You have to worry about th- that takedown ability, that Olympic caliber wrestler. And he, you know, you're going to be tentative at times because of that as well. So combine all that with Adesanya being hittable, being able to get rocked in past fights as well. What we've seen, he's been knocked out in a kickboxing match as well. So it's not like this guy is totally invincible. I mean, he's got some durability issues at times as well. And I think the wrong person to fight is Ramiro, if if that's the question here, especially if you're going to lay three times your money or close to it against Ramiro. That's not the smart bet. If Adesanya wins this fight, fine. That's that's okay. I understand it. But we're talking about value betting here. And at this price, anything above plus 200, there's definitely some value on Ramiro. Again, people are counting him out. They're saying he shouldn't even be in this spot. He's coming off losses. Let's look at it a little bit. I mean, those Whitaker bouts were close. They were extremely competitive. He could be champion coming off those fights if we had different judges, right? Not just that. That Costa fight in his last fight was also close. I'm not saying Costa Costa didn't deserve to win that fight, but it was extremely close. And if Costa couldn't step in here and fight this fight, there's nobody else I'd rather see than Romero take on Adesanya. And Adesanya even went out there and and basically said, I have to beat Romero if I want to really solidify my legacy. That type of fight for him is well. He knows it. I mean, so Romero is a threat. It's not crazy to think he could pull this win off, uh, even by knockout. 
even on the scorecards. I do think if this fight hits the scorecards and it goes five, it's going to be a 48-47 type of decision fight as well. It's not going to be a clear cut and dry win for Adesanya. I think Romero will be able to steal rounds. So it will hit the scorecards close. It will be a tough test for Adesanya on the feet with the explosiveness explosiveness of Romero as well. And But of course, it will be a tough fight for Romero. He's got a lot to worry about for Adesanya. But as far as the betting window goes, there's no question in my mind where the value is. And that's why I already bet it. And that's why I added even more to it as well. And especially plus 230, plus 240, you got to take a stab at it. Right or wrong, the value is clearly there for me. And I'm going to go in on Romero. I think he can get it done. So hopefully he comes through. No regrets on this bet though. Win or loss, I think it is there. And I would make this all day. So plus 200, I'm with you. Those of you guys that are taking Romero and taking a stab at him, hopefully he comes through for us, but the value is definitely there. And I think we are going to see and new crowned here. Finally, Romero getting that middleweight strap. He's been chasing it for a while. He's been so close to times. I think we're finally going to see it happen here. He deserves it. Hopefully he gets it done. My pick is Romero to become the new UFC middleweight champion. And I'm going to come in the other way. Um, first off, at some point, uh, a, Romero has to slow down. I mean, the guy is uh, 42 years old, so I just can't imagine that he's going to put on the best performance of his career this late. Uh, I mean, perhaps he could be the next Randy Couture, but I just, I, I refuse to, to, to believe in, in that. I mean, yes, I would say the one thing that has really, really impressed me throughout uh, Romero's career has been the fact that he really has not been outstruck against just about anybody other than the champion, Robert Whitaker. Um, and he's faced some decent strikers over the course of his career. You know, Machida, Brad Tavares, um, uh, Souza, Weidman, Rockhold. And he has consistently either outstruck them or at some point he ends up uh, knocking them out. So, I mean, the guy is a freak athlete. He has tremendous power. He has elite level wrestling ability. Um, but if he screws around on the feet too long, I, I feel like it'll be a repeat of his fights against Whitaker, where yes, he had his moments and, you know, against Whitaker, especially the second time, um, he had him hurt. You know, he just couldn't quite put him away. And then Whitaker ended up winning a split decision. So he was close. But uh, I think Adesanya is a better striker than Whitaker. I mean, obvious uh, based on his performance against Whitaker, where Adesanya was just lit him up and finished him uh, impressively early. So uh, I, I, I obviously think that Romero is tougher to put away. We really have only seen Romero even mildly hurt hardly maybe once. So, I mean, this guy is... Physically, one of the most durable and athletic fighters that's ever competed in the octagon. Uh, so, Adesanya is going to have his hands full. Like, I would not be shocked if he has to go all five rounds here because uh, Romero is so tough to put away. But, that being said, Adesanya is also the type of fighter that is extremely good at landing those strikes that you don't see coming. And those are the ones that hurt people. Uh, more often than not, uh, it's, it's that, that strike that you don't see coming because you're not able to brace for it. So then just boom, it just connects and that's the fight, the, the punch that hurts you, that knocks you out. And, uh, while I think 
uh, that Romero has fought fighters with more physical punching power. Adesanya, I think, is the best striker that uh, that Romero has ever fought. So, for me, yes, Romero has enough power to hurt Adesanya on the feet and potentially knock him out at some point. But Adesanya is extremely effective with his stand-up, with offensively, uh, his defense is great, his uh, physical advantage, I mean, seven and a half, uh, six and a half inches in reach. Um, I think uh, in terms of defense, he's better. Uh, in terms of uh, offensive uh, volume, he's better. Um, it, it could boil down to uh, takedown defense, and Adesanya has pretty elite takedown defense at 85% as well. So I really feel like this guy has has the uh, style that can really thwart Romero. Uh, now, can Romero knock him out? Of course. He's got the power, Adesanya. I don't think he's chinny by any stretch, but if he gets clipped with something nasty, he definitely could get hurt and put out. I mean, anybody could against Romero. That's just how dangerous he is. But uh, at least in terms of technique, in terms of where they are at this point in their careers, I mean, you have to side with Adesanya. Uh, I, I feel like he can keep Romero at the end of his punches. I feel like he can mix in some nasty kicks along the way, and he'll force Romero to have to shoot for takedowns from really far away if and when he does shoot for takedowns, which is going to make them easier to stuff. So I think Adesanya keeps this upright. I think he outstrikes and outpoints Romero over the course of five rounds, potentially even hurts him and finishes him. But I think the most likely outcome here is Adesanya by decision. So Adesanya is going to be my pick. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC 248. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOBPremium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Special thanks to BetDSI. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.